1: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story.
0: In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Football Writer's Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of The Daily Mirror and by Dominic Fifield of The Guardian. Now, I know this seems ridiculous, but it's taken one match to identify this season's top two. Surprise, surprise, Manchester City and Liverpool are miles ahead of the rest. Nothing changes. What would it take to bridge the gap, do you think, Karen?
1: Consistency from Spurs. Because that win on Saturday for them against Aston Villa was a good example of their durability, their cutting edge in front of goal. And the options that they have available to them. Bear in mind, La Salsa, who they bought and well, they loaned with an option to buy next summer on transfer deadline day, isn't yet up to speed. Sessignol, he's got a hamstring injury, is out for a few weeks. Deli Alley isn't available as well, so Pochettino does have options, the one thing that he didn't do last season, and it was another outstanding season for Tottenham, but they didn't have that consistency in the league, they lost far too many games, and if they are going to bridge that gap, that will have to
0: change this season mm. But you look at City on Saturday, Dom and they were ruthless, well you used the word brutal didn't you, in your piece yes. Darren, you agree with that?
2: Y- yeah they were absolutely, I, I suspect that they probably didn't think they played as well as they could do as well particularly in the first half uh, and yet they still rattled up their usual cricket score at the London Stadium. I take issue slightly. I, mean, look, I, I fully expect Liverpool and Manchester City to be the top two by the end of the season, but they're not even the top two in the table this morning. Um, that's why I've got you on sitting on Pennant's corner. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, they I mean, look as we said. Man City always go to West Ham in their new stadium and score a minimum of four goals. So they scored five on Saturday. So that's the norm. Um, Norwich City have been spanked by Liverpool in previous visitations to the to the Premier League in recent years. The most impressive result of the weekend was Manchester United dismantling a fellow contender for a top-four place to the extent that they did, albeit on the counter-attack and albeit after an awkward first half. But I agree with you that City, City still, uh, to me, are... are marginally ahead of Liverpool in terms of title-ready. Um, I think Rodri has obviously made a, a fantastic impact already. We can see the potential there for him stepping into the Fernandinho role. Sterling is a different class and looks like a player that could score 30-plus goals. It genuinely looks as if he's got that quality to him. And as a unit, they just look polished, um, Oh, it was interesting also to see there was one little burst of pace from Carl Walker, and which, was, which looked like the old Carl Walker again. I mean, last season was a bit of a lull for him. So there's a lot of positives for City to take out the weekend.
0: Well, I suppose it's all down, you know, it's all down to recruitment, isn't it, Darren? But if you look at it, Rodri's coming on a one-for-one basis with Fernandinho. Mm. But also with that incident you spoke of there, Dom, with, with Walker, who was basically Usain Bolt for about four seconds. Yeah. He's now got Cancelo on the bench... Cancelo. £60 million, that's the ultimate wake-up call. Well, absolutely because it's the
1: second week in a row that we've talked about something that's caught the eye from Carl Walker for us. Last week in the Community Shield, it was that clearance off the line when everybody thought that it would lead to a goal. Uh, And this week, you know, he, he was outstanding and I think He does have that renewed impetus. He does appear to have lost a little bit of weight. He does appear to be a yard sharper. And that's what Guardiola is so good at. And recruitment at Manchester City over the the last, what, four years has been outstanding. Mm -hmm. No one had a whiff of Edison. Uh, I think some people, when they pay £25 million for him, thought he was a striker. You know, I think (laughs) no no one had... (laughs) He probably could be, yeah. You know, Leroy Sane as well, £42 million. Again, there wasn't a big tussle over. And Manchester City identified him, got that deal done. And there are a number of players that they are so good at identifying. Gabriel Jesus is another. I I think the recruitment at City has been outstanding over the last four years under uh, Pep Guardiola. And I do think the result of the weekend is cities for me because Kevin De Bruyne, we spoke to him after the game on Saturday in a mix zone and he said we were chaotic at the start. We were still getting ourselves together. West Ham looked fairly decent Mm. early on. And then there was just this blitz... And West Ham had no answer. And every time City went forward, they cut West Ham apart and scored. One of the goals that was disallowed, I thought should have stood. The one that stood, I thought should have been disallowed. (laughs) I don't want to get into all that vast stuff just yet. But I I just think the quality and the cutting edge that City have. Bear in mind, as you say, Sane is injured. Aguero was on the bench for much of it. Cancelo's not even in the squad. And yet they were just awesome. And I think as far as City are concerned, it's as much about their attitude and their mentality as it is about their technical ability on the pitch. That's the reason why I think you're right. They'll be up there. As I say, I don't think it'll be a two-horse race. I think Spurs will have something to say. They won't be as easy on the eye, maybe. But they'll definitely be involved and it'll be a really good tight race at the top.
0: Mm. Where does this leave Liverpool, do you think, Dom? You know, they've got the European Super Cup on Wednesday against Chelsea in Istanbul. Is that a signpost or is that just a glorified friendly that we should just enjoy for what it is?
2: Uh, Probably more the latter. Uh, I think the team that wins it will claim it as, as, as proper silverware. But realistically speaking, it's... It's, it's it feels too early in, in in the season as well to be to be celebrating a, a, a trophy with proper gusto. Um, where does it leave Liverpool? I, I wonder whether the, the decision not to to add one big name might might possibly come back to bite them later on in the season, possibly. But they've still got an absolutely. Awesome squad, uh, a fantastic team, a team that hit the the ground running. For periods on Friday nights, um, I mean that that in itself is quite frightening. That you know we're talking about City and and Liverpool, and we're picking holes in some of their performances, but actually they still scored four and five, mm. and not many Premier League teams are going to be able to do that, other than you know the elite of the elite. You know when Mane's back and 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 up and running again, he adds so much more. I think Origi's obviously made huge progress in mm-hmm. in recent times. He looks a real threat. Salah's got the the hunger back. He sort of f- cuts a frustrated figure quite a lot often when he misses a chance, which to me suggests he's somebody who's going to get twenty five goals this season minimum. Um, there's a lot going right. I, you can't draw conclusions from the from the first weekend of the season, but. I don't think we are drawing a conclusion that those two are going to be the top two from the first weekend because we know they've just got the better teams than anybody else in the division and it will be ultimately between those two who wins it.
0: Yeah. How how much of a test of Jurgen Klopp's managerial skills will this season be? I'm thinking in terms of if you look at the workload on players now, which he's talked a lot about, you've got the South American players and the African African, Cup of Nations players. He's going to have to look at the workload of, you know, Sane's just coming back in, Salah, or, or Salah, and people like that have been basically flogged over the last couple of years. Does he have to be more almost subtle in his selections now? Yeah, I do. I, I totally agree. I was
1: really surprised to see Mane and Salah back as quickly as they have been, uh, and the willingness might be there. I mean, I know Mares did that with Guardiola. He was telling us that Mares called him after featuring in the final. Uh, for of the Africa Cup of Nations said so I want to come back now presumably he'd become aware that the situation with Sane was such that Bayern Munich were about to agree a deal and this was all before Sane picked up the injury which now looks set to keep him out mm. for a little bit of time but he'd shown that willingness to come back the appetite to get into the side that's great but will that start to tell as time goes on because we're all human we all need a rest footballers need a rest and I think it's going to take careful managing but on his from his point of view he played in his opinion so few times he wants that run in the side he wants to take the chance and on Saturday he was excellent and so it may well be that he says to himself this is my opportunity forget having
0: a rest I want to take it mm. no Alisson no problem
2: I wouldn't it's, it's a bit it's a bit of a problem um, because we all saw the impact that Alisson made last season and and how he he and Vir- Virgil van Dyke shored up what had been such a a leaky defense previously um so it is a, a blow if he's out they're talking six, six to eight weeks six to eight weeks yeah well that, that 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 is a that is a blow um Adrian is an experienced deputy but he was released by West Ham for a reason I mean he's he's he he would have been what third fourth choice at, at West Ham. He hardly played at all last year. Yep, so, yep. so you know it's not um, it's not an ideal situation. But I think they've got a relatively a relatively easy ish start to the season. Um, Liverpool. I mean, there there are the odd meeting with a with a fellow contender in there over the first couple of months. But they just have to get on with it. I mean, I, I, in other areas, I think they're. They're well stopped We all want to see how Brewster does this season. Urika, we we've already mentioned they have got the. They've got so many options in midfield as well. Kaita wasn't involved really on on Friday night. He can come in. You'd expect him to kick on in the second season in in England. There are options everywhere, and um, they had Senator Matute didn't even start. Gomez, it's a great player fill filling at, at right back if if Trent Alexander Arnold needs a rest. They've got options everywhere. Goalkeeper, however. He's not one of those, because I don't think they'll have the same faith in Adrian or Andy Lonergan if they get him in mm. um, to step in.
1: The problem Adrian's got, and I, you know, and I know this from covering West Ham on a regular basis over uh, quite some time now, is that it's exactly that. They didn't have faith in him at West Ham. Any and reason? That's why he was prone to the odd lapse in concentration. Uh, I, I think he would admit that himself. And, and it may well be that going to such a big club... Will, will, will focus his mind and, and, and he will really raise himself to another level but he will have to do that if he, because Allison had authority in goal for Liverpool and he was a goalkeeper who could command his back four they were a unit mm. with Allison on the field of play and I think Adrian he's gonna have he could have done with keeping a clean sheet on Friday night I think that would have been good for his confidence but I,
0: I just think he's got to find a way not to lose his Because it's a strange mentality being a number two and almost accepting that you're going to be a number two. Yes. You look at Mignile, who was fantastic, I think, in terms of his character last season. Didn't kick up, but he's moved. He probably, let's be honest, okay, good contract at Liverpool. I'll play maybe five to ten games. Now
1: he's right in the middle of it. <laughs> he is. And, you know, their early season progress could be quite literally in his hands. And I think from his point of view he could never have believed that this opportunity would come to play, but he's got to be equal to it. And I think you talk about a test of management for for Klopp. Klopp improves players. We know that now. We've seen how he's taken Van Dijk to another level. He's got more out of the forward players. Shaqiri was kind of meandering along before he went to Liverpool and found another level. Maybe Adrian can do the same there. Maybe it might be that he is able to work on the things that were his weaknesses at West Ham so that he can be an asset to Liverpool. But it's a big, big opportunity for him. Interesting
2: to see how he... You mentioned the lapse of the concentration. At West Ham, most games he played, he he would have... I mean, the attack would have been coming at him pretty yes. pretty constantly. Yeah. And Liverpool it's going to be very, very different, potentially, against quite a lot of their opposition. Mm. So, I mean, we've, we've spoken in the past about how elite goalkeepers, even Alisson... Maintain a level of concentration when the ball's down the other end of the pitch for 75 minutes of a 90-minute game, and, and you're only really involved. Your, your involvement is sort of sporadic. I don't know whether that would help Adrian or, or hinder him. I mean, it's, if there're going to be fewer opportunities. Well, the, the thing is, I mean,
1: in the City game for a while. Edison had nothing to do, and then there was a double opportunity that West Ham had, and he was alert to it. Yes,
0: yeah. and, so, and that was a great double save, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Great
1: double save, and, and his concentration was on point. And the great thing about Alisson, that had been the case beforehand yeah. as well. Small things you notice in pre-season, Liverpool defensively weren't great. Adrian was left exposed uh, for the goal that Norwich scored the other night. But uh, I, I just think it might well be that either the onus will be unclocked. To maybe give him that confidence and work on those weaknesses, or Van Dyke to take some leadership in that back five y- unit, and and you know give make demands of his goalkeeper in terms of what they expect from him. Mm. But I, I think he'll do well. I'm I'm, I'm going to say yeah. I, I expect him to be able to come through this period.
0: Okay, Liverpool playing Chelsea in that super cup. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, club you know well, Dom. Is it a case after Old Trafford of don't panic, Captain Lampard? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, it is, and he's pretty much said as much. It's, it, look, it's. I think there are going to be periods this season where Chelsea are exposed when, when when it becomes very evident the amount of experience that's been taken out of that team, the the, the reliance upon Eden Hazard for the last how many years was you say seven years wasn't he, um, and how he was so integral to everything they did going forward. Um, I'm not, I don't think David Luiz is one of the world's greatest defenders. I think he, I think he can be a liability in a defence and 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 make others. He can actually make others look worse. Isn't it worse, weird
1: how people have rewritten history surrounding David Luiz and Absolutely. suggested that I know you know he's Virgil Van Dijk and yet he's been that, responsible for so many things. It's the
2: subtle ones that get me. I mean, there was a lot of criticism given to Aspel Quater after Old Trafford, but if you i don't know i watched that performance from him and he, yeah he's he's not quite the defender that he, that he was but that's just age catching up him because he's been one of the most consistent yeah, defenders absolutely. in the premier league like, over and year. i'd argue he still is actually um but he was almost flustered because he had such an inexperienced centre back pairing next to him and Christensen made some pretty basic errors we all know zuma made the, the penalty error I think there's going to be it's going to be that that exposes Chelsea because there inevitably will be some naivety there, um, a bit of rustiness in terms of partnerships within that team, and it's going to take a while for them to, to to click. They've got good quality there. It's almost as he's going to have to coax it out of them though. I mean, we know that Zuma can play. We know that Christensen. Two years ago, Christensen was excellent for for Conte's Chelsea, but in a three, yes. And that maybe offered him a bit more support and, and he he will be exposed at times. And it was the sort of the fluent, fluid attacking, counter-attacking by, by Manchester United that really broke Chelsea down. You know, the, the, a, a mistake can be made, you know, the other end of the pitch, Barkley, Mount losing possession and suddenly that back line isn't quite in position. Mm-hmm. And it's exposed, and and that's the ruthlessness that an elite team will do. Something they'll be they'll be fine against the majority of the teams they play, but against the very best. I I, I think yesterday Sunday's
1: result. I don't think it was representative of Chelsea's season and I don't think it'll be representative of Manchester United's season. If Tammy Abraham scores that early opportunity, Mm -hmm. it's a different game. uh, Emerson Palmieri, if he scores instead of hits the woodwork, different game. Chelsea started so bright, so enterprisingly. And Manchester United at that point were all over the place. We were in Austria in pre-season with... Chelsea that they beat Red Bull Salzburg they've ripped them to shreds and there was a really good understanding between Barkley and Pulisic which I expect to to kind of uh, continue through the season once he gets up and running but the goals they conceded after being comfortable in the game mm. were because of those defensive lapses and David louise was at fault for one of them but th- my understanding is that it was after that game that. They got stuck into David Luiz because the funny thing was after the match, David Luiz was saying, oh, don't worry about us not buying any players. You know, we've got the Chelsea DNA and then a week later he's forcing a move to Arsenal.
2: Which made us But laugh. <laughs> there were 20-odd chances for Salzburg in that game, which is too many for
1: and a Exactly. Team. And that's what Lampard was saying after us because we put it to him and we said, look is it a concern for you? And he said, absolutely, we're going to have to go back, we're going to have to work on those things and we're going to have to iron them out ahead of the season because, as you rightly say, an elite team like Manchester United, and they're not even one of the best teams in the Premier League, will rip you to shreds when you make those kind of errors. They will undo their bid to finish in the top four. But at the same time, I like the way that Lampard has faith in those young players still. And it shows the criticism that he's had from Mourinho rips apart Mourinho's argument that he was at pains to make, if you remember, that he is a manager for young players. Because he was talking about, I would have put experience in that. And you know, if Mourinho's still at Chelsea, those players would be nowhere near that first team. Mm. I think we all should be getting behind Lampard's bid to give Mount the, the experience in the first team he wants. Give Christensen, give Zuma. Loftus-Cheek when he comes in, Bark. all those not so much Barkley, we know he's an established first-teamer, but the players that they've done so well to produce from the academy, they've got to push through this because other clubs around Europe, you look at Ajax and the faith they've got in young players, even though they might make mistakes, they might get close and then they fall away. Ajax, in the Champions League semi-final against Spurs, blew that lead. I reckon an English club might have got stuck into... Their players, the IX fans applauding their team off the mm. pitch, you know, because mm. they're young, they're promising, they know they've got a huge future. That's what Chelsea are doing with these young players. They're
2: showing them some love at last. I, I completely agree with you. And I agree with the philosophy of putting these in. And you know, you've got Hudson adoy to come back. Rough to I think he's one of the best players at that club. But I do think that has to be going hand in hand with patience. And there will be bumpy roads. Right? It will be a bumpy road. It will be there will be occasions like Sunday. Mm. When Chelsea take up hiding, because they're learning as yeah. a group. They're still trying to to find the rhythm, to find find a agree, way. We agree, yeah, we agree absolutely. And and so as long as there's that level of patience, and all the indications are at the moment there is that level of patience within the hierarchy. Let's just hope that, that is maintained there's no evidence that it, you know they're going to get at your feet now after one <laughs> one game, obviously, but in the past you know they might have been but this is these are particular circumstances around Chelsea at the moment, and it slightly dismays me that we're already hearing stories about what they might do in January if they get the second window mm-hmm. ban reduced or gone, and what they might do next summer because. Really, if if there is, if the club are genuinely thinking about bringing in people like Chilwell Chilwell. and I think Zaha has been mentioned, if they're genuinely thinking that, then that doesn't actually suggest to me that there is the faith in this youth. Um, What you should do now is plan with these guys that you've been nurturing in your academy for years and years and years. Hopefully by the end of the season, if you've got complete faith in the coaching staff you've just appointed, these guys will be better and they'll be there for the next three or four years.
0: But these sort of stories, Don, and we all know, clubs basically throw these stories out like you know, throwing fish to the seals, don't they? It's, it's just, let's stimulate a bit of interest here. Let's offer them a bit of jam tomorrow.
2: I'm not sure clubs do. Um, I think agents, ag- agents right? of, of yeah. players who might quite fancy joining Chelsea do, definitely. But it's more the philosophy around it all. If the club manages to impress upon its supporter base, its current squad, the media that cover those clubs, that actually know we really have got faith in these kids and we are going to promote them and we're going to stick with them and this is our future, not going out and spending £100 million on a player in his mid to late 20s, then eventually we will buy into it, the supporters will buy into it and... That will benefit the kids there, I think. You know what's quite key? Spurs.
1: Because Pochettino went in there and he managed to not just manage upwards, but outwards. He managed to convince fans, Let I have this faith in these young players I will open up this pathway. And in doing so, Kane, obviously, has established himself as one of the world's best strikers. Oliver Skipper has come through. Harry Winks, I remember seeing him on the team sheet for the Champions League game in at Real Madrid and thinking it was a suicide note, you know. <laughs> I mean, how do you play a, a young kid like that against the established stars there? But from a footballing context, Pochettino's faith in the young players has borne fruit. And I think... Lampard, I listened to him speak before the match yesterday and his faith in those players is total and he made that very, very clear pros- pre-match and post-match and his incredulity when he was told about the comments from Mourinho about Mount, told you everything. I think he does have that faith and mm. I think he will. I think it, 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 from it there are non-negotiables and that was the term he used out in Austria about what the club want from him. I think there are non-negotiables from him about what he wants from the club and I think that faith in the young players, mm. he wants backing on that and he'll get it.
0: Because it, it does capture a current mood, Dom. If you look at, um, this is a hat tip to... Um, a Trowdhury of the uh, 21st club, who, who put this fact out on social media. 22 English starters amongst the top six in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, most for about six years. Mm. Good news for Gareth Southgate. Good news for the game as well?
2: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, it's helped the fact that Manchester United are now buying English.
0: Yeah. They were the youngest team of, of all this weekend. Was it
2: English or British, was it? British. English. It was British, was it? Yeah. Um, it was British? Because was yeah. he got Dan. Not sure. Got Dan, Dan James. James as well. I mean, it helps when that when that happens, and it obviously the peculiar situation that has manifested itself at Chelsea uh, has has offered a chance for these kids finally to get an opportunity there. Um, Spurs have been doing it for a, a long time. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it, it will be. I mean, Gareth Southgate was at West Ham wasn't Saturday. He would have he would have been encouraged by what he saw on Sunday as well.
0: Let's hope we didn't go and see Phil Foden. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the best player in the world. <laughs> Let's look at Man United. It was interesting earlier on, Darren. You said it wouldn't it wouldn't be representative of their season that that four 0 win. Why? Why do you say that? Well, because I just look at the way that Chelsea started the game and the opportunities that were,
1: that they were able to create in the early part of the game, the pace that they had, and the enterprising way. Then they went about their business. I mean, first of all, it gave you a lot to like about Chelsea after quite a sterile season last year under Mauricio Sarri. But also, they were able to find those opportunities in behind the Manchester United defence that I think will continue their run of doing quite poorly against the top six sides. Their record last season was, was awful. And I think the top teams will find those spaces again this season. High points, Maguire had a good start to his career, cost him whatever you think about how much he cost he had a good solid start to his career Aaron Wambisaka was for me was outstanding there was an early moment in the game where he had a one-on-one and he just lifted the ball over his opponent and that was it it was off and running and I think he was solid defensively going forward he provided an outlet as well Pogba I think for all of the negativity surrounding him his ball for Rashford's goal was outstanding and I think the confidence that they will get from that will help them going forward but there are weaknesses in that back line and I think the top teams and maybe even a couple of teams outside that top six will take advantage and so I don't think you can get get carried away
2: with Chelsea and I don't think you can get carried away with United either Mm. I wonder whether the weaknesses aren't necessarily just in the back line but in the the midfield, field as well, which I and mean, that that seems we we you know weaknesses in the back line, but you just pinpointed half of the back four <laughs> yeah. being outstanding, and the goalkeeper's not bad. Yeah. Um, but well, the other side, the other side, yeah. that
1: I think is is where where the problems are. I don't think, for example, that yesterday Chelsea would lose that game if Canti was playing. The difference because Canti didn't play in the Austria game either. Where, where that
2: backline was yeah. exposed. I think if canty plays... He is key, United. isn't he? Yeah, it was a very flimsy central... Absolutely. Kovacic, field.
1: I still don't know what he does. No, you know, no. they, they've paid a fortune for but him. He, had Chelsea not does.
2: been under the transfer ban, there is no way they would have bought Kovacic for £40 million. Pounds. I mean, th- th- that was just baffling. I mean, he, let's hope his second season in English football is, is more impressive than his first, because uh, to me, it makes no sense. But, yeah. but United, yeah. on United, it'd be interesting to see... Um, how they do against a, a team that isn't quite as open isn't quite as ambitious in its attacking sense I mean what the last three goals are all counter-attacks mm. I want to see what, how they break down a uh, a team that just goes there and plays 11 behind the ball and and makes life horrible and awkward I think it will benefit them having enterprising full-backs who can get back as quickly as they get forward now um bissaka is uh, underestimated as to what he can do in the final third in the attacking sense. People always say he's not done it. Well, he's, you know, he was playing at Crystal Palace with a non-scoring centre-forward for the last year and a bit. So he will he will make a big impact in the final third for United as well. And he'll benefit as well from playing with better players around him. What also struck me about him,
0: and to a degree it struck me when he went straight into the Crystal Palace team and basically
2: dominated from day one, he's not afraid of the weight of the shirt, is he? Not He's a remarkable young man. He's... It sort of just, just completely washes over him, the fact that he's he's playing against these opponents. I mean, bear in mind that the first four opponents he came up against at Palace, you know, the kid who used to be a winger, he's just gone straight into the first team. Christian Eriksen in his first game, Alexis Sanchez, Marcus Rashford in the second game, Eden Hazard in his third game. Well, good luck with that. I mean, Palace lost all those games, but he was brilliant against all those opponents. Um, he... He's a breath of fresh air. He'll be brilliant for Manchester United. I suspect the Palace negotiated an excellent deal to take him to Old Trafford and they stuck to their guns and they got the price they wanted. I suspect that in a couple of years' time we'll be looking at £50 million pounds for Aaron rambo as an absolute snip. I totally agree. I'm staggered that Tottenham didn't say, look, come and play
1: Champions League football with us. He's the sort of player you have to get him at any cost Mm. because he just has so much about him. You're going to get a good 10 years out of him. He's got pace. He's got, you know, defensive awareness. uh, He's got speed. He's got the confidence to be able to go onto a stage like the one yesterday and play as though he'd been playing there all his life. And I, I agree with Dom. I think in years to come, we'll look at that money spent on him
0: and that will be a really, really good bit of business that United have done. Mm. By common consent, Arsenal have done really good business in this window. Significantly strengthened on the evidence of that win at Newcastle? Bearing in mind that they've probably played a second choice back four.
1: Yeah, I- it was interesting because it wasn't particularly pretty to watch, mm. was it? But maybe that's what we need to see from Arsenal now. I mean, a clean sheet, it took them goodness knows how long last season to get a clean sheet on the road. And yesterday they were solid. It did help that. Newcastle were awful in front of goal. I mean, Joe Linton, goodness me. Joan Collins could have
2: played <laughs> up and done better. He was he was just... But he's yeah, not a striker, awesome is he? Me. He's a winger. I mean, he's come as a winger. And he's been asked to play as. His- Salomon Rondon, it's, it's going to take a while for him to. Yeah. There'll be a threat when if Andy Carroll is ever fit. And they, to think they might have Sam Maxine um, and Joe Linton supplying a. Yeah, and how Miron looks at number Al-Miron, 10. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. There's potential there. absolute potential there. Yeah. But I agree. Well, you can't judge Arsenal because none of their. Signing's played, right. really. I mean, well, Pepper came on late. Yeah, yeah, Kane, yeah and, yeah. and looked as if he had a, yeah. something um, yeah.
0: as but he the, should do. For the goal uh, over you know, <coughs> my thirty-three goals in fifty Premier League, yeah. better than Henri, better than. Which is Ian staggering.
2: Wright. Absolutely. So, although, I guess, I mean, it's amazing. That he's better than Ian Wright. I mean, yeah. Henri okay. arrived, I guess, as a winger and was sort of converted into That's that a striker. But fight, yeah. Wrighty, I always remember as having a look. Mind you, I was looking at it through Palace t- t- glasses <laughs> at the time of him cursing every goal he scored. Um, but yeah, look, like, it's a fantastic start. But we didn't expect anything else, did we? I mean, he's, he was prolific wherever he's been. He's he's a he's a great player. They those new signings will bed. They will be a lot stronger. They've got people like Torreira coming back to fitness. Um, you know, a lot of options. Bellerin even coming back, yeah. and they'll, they'll Kieran Tierney will add something on the on the left as well. So there's plenty to be positive about. But let's not. Yeah. Them quite yet. Well
0: it'd be interesting, Burnley are at the Emirates mm. on on the weekend, streetwise team had a really good pre season. They carried that on, beating Southampton three nil. Ashley Barnes scored twice. Is he one of the most underrated players in the Premier League? Yes. Yes. I think it's ten goals in his last sixteen games now. And
1: I mean he, he, and the, the finishes on Saturday were just outstanding. You know, the the power in the first, the, the confidence and the vision of the second just let the ball fall onto his right foot volleyed into the back of the net and I think because he plays for Burnley he doesn't get the credit he deserves, he is a wonderful striker and I think his goal his goal record has improved with every season and it looks like he's maturing as a striker, he's finding the positions to give himself the best chance of scoring and I think Burnley will do well with him up front in, in, in the kind of with the confidence that he's got, you know, he looks as though he he feels he will score every time the ball gets to him. I think if he were playing for a bigger club, he'd probably get more credit.
0: Yeah, well, that's Burnley all over, isn't it? You, you yeah. can say the same thing about Sean Dyche. He was the manager of a bigger club. Isn't
2: Isn't that the best compliment you could pay to, to Sean Dyche and his coaching ability that Ashley Barnes is sort of considered to be sort of a journeyman striker mm. from the lower leagues, you know, who had his big taste of the big time with. With Brighton, arguably in the in the Championship, I guess, just looks phenomenal now. Looks uh, every every bit an in Austria international. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's that just shows what Sean Dyche can yeah. instill in the squad. And yeah, but Burny, uh, there will be difficult times for Burnley. They they've, they've bought quite shrewdly, but they don't have a massive budget. And and Sean Dyche has gone on record saying that they've had to be very clever in their recruitment as well. And you know, some of it will pay off, some of it won't. But you look at them and they've got that sort of streetwise edge that should eventually steer them clear of of, of trouble and and, and winning games like Southampton at home as convincingly as they did will, will bolster their, their, their prospects. It's a big defeat for Southampton as
1: well. Carson Hood bought a number of players. Che Adams had a, has an opportunity early in the game. Again, if he scores that, it's a different game. But I think he'll have a great season. I think Adams. he will too. I think he will too. I think he, he, he's... It's been a wonderful um, first season for players stepping up into the big league. Neil Morpay, of course, scoring for uh, Brighton. The wonderful story of Billy Sharp... Um, getting into the big league I was, taught, I was with Callum Wilson last weekend and Callum was saying when I came into the Premier League with Bournemouth you dreamt about it every night you played in the championship in the lower leagues and then suddenly here was your opportunity to get into uh, the top division and he said I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give Billy any opportunities or any, no. any tips or anything like that but he, he said what you have to do is not try and do anything different to what you did in the lower leagues and a lot of people would have thought that Billy Sharp doing what he did in the lower leagues wouldn't be good enough for the top division but he's just the right place right time merchant isn't he and yeah. you know I think him scoring was just a stuff of fantasy for him And it's one of all you know we can rave about city and liverpool and whatever else i think billy sharp scoring that goal was one of the best stories of the entire weekend for me
0: yeah i think the celebration's a bit like the dan james one as well wasn't it they're just one of those ones where you just go oh that's fantastic yeah um when you look at this next weekend, you know, the lot of tension will be Spurs at Manchester City. Are Spurs in almost like a catch 22 situation with Ericsson? He came on and by common consent changed the game mm. against Villa. Uh, still two or three weeks left for foreign clubs to look at him and, and, and maybe entice him away. Would it hurt, or how much would it hurt Spurs if they lose Ericsson?
2: Well, I think it would hurt them. Um, and you only have to see the impact that he made off the bench at the weekend Uh, in some ways that was a a nightmare scenario for Pochettino because um, he would have loved you know the the side that he selected to go out and wipe the floor you know with um, Aston Villa and Dazzling attacking football everywhere and we don't need the creativity that Ericsson we all know Ericsson provides and the fact that he had to turn to him to turn the game and, and ensure they got off to a winning start was potentially damaging. That said, I'm not sure how realistic it is to, to expect anyone to actually come in at this late stage and, and and buy him. And if that if if they're getting those noises that he's likely to see at see at the remaining year of his contract, just play him, just start with him, just get him in the team because he's he's Christian Eriksen. See, I, I I slightly disagree with that. So to break up, I love it. Oh, <laughs> we think <doing> so well. <laughs>
1: wow. But I just think that if he isn't committed to the team, we know that Pochettino wants people are loyal to the club, loyal to him. And I think if he's not committed, then I can see why they brought someone else in. And if that player's going to come in, that player's going to play. And if it means Ericsson stays on the bench, yeah, you're missing a lot of quality. And you, it, as you both rightly said, when he came on, changed the game you could see was finding those spaces picking those passes giving them a different option but I think he's brought in La Celso to replace Eriksson. La with his 16 goals last season a greater number of goals than Eriksson scored and um, you would imagine he, he now has options with Don Bele and and, and Celso and Ali and you know the, I don't think you could, goodness how was going to reconfigure that side mm. but mm. if Eriksson won't sign a new contract why are you continuing to play him now if Spurs believe they can do without him if they believe that they can continue to win without him yes it might well be that they're pragmatic
2: and needs must and so you know know, that's that's what I'm arguing I think you have to be pragmatic and on that basis, if you were going to be principled about it, he wouldn't have been in the matchday squad on Saturday and they would have lost the game, arguably, or yeah. they would have continued to smack, hammer their heads against the brick wall. For Wasn't them. it the
1: case last year that Emery put Ramsey in the team, even though he knew yeah. he was going, yeah. even though he'd agreed a deal with Juventus? Yeah. yeah, he was pragmatic. He knew he was going and fine, but he didn't have someone better. You know, someone comparable to put in the team, mm. whereas he's gone out and bought La Celso. He's wanted La Celso since the end of last season. You know, he, he and and Dombele were the two top targets of the club, and he's got him in. And I think as soon as he's fit to play, he'll play. And Erikson will be on the bench. However good he is, if he's not signing a new contract, you know about Daniel Levy and how he is. Yeah, and no fair If sure. you're not signing a new deal. You're not going to play It, it does too. give them
2: brilliant leeway, though. If, if the new guy is going to take time to adapt, then he can dip in and out. Yeah. And, and he's got Ericsson there who's adaptable and will, will, will fit in perfectly well. I don't think he's the type of player that's going to kick off, necessarily. Yeah. He's not going to yeah. be sulking. He knows why he's in this situation. He, he's made the situation himself, effectively. Um, so it's a nice, in that way, it's a nice position for Spurs to be in. But I just think that there will be, there will be plenty of times this season where, where Tottenham need... Ericsson's quality yeah. to get them out of a mess. Mm.
1: Can I just say I mean the, the one one other thing you know we we often journalists pundits critics we well, sometimes we say to players if you didn't want to be denied the opportunity to go to X or Y club, why did you sign the contract? We're doing that with Zaha at the moment. Mm. You know, People are saying, why did you sign five years last year if you didn't want to go? Well, what we're seeing more and more is players taking control of their their contractual situation so that they can be master of their own destiny. So we're seeing what did. he mm. hasn't signed a new deal, he's got a year left, he'll decide where he goes. Ramsey did, Sanchez did, a number of other players did. That's what Ericsson is doing. In some ways... I actually admire that because he's, whatever happens, whatever Spurs try to do, he is in the driving seat in terms of his career. If he doesn't go this summer, he'll go next summer, but he's not going to sign. But So I think in some ways it works for both, really, because Spurs can put him in if they need him. Eriksson still has the opportunity to go wherever he chooses to go, either this summer or next summer. So fair play to him. Mm.
0: let's look at if we can Dom at the three promoted sides they all impressed in bursts almost in their matches Um, how do you think they're going to get on
2: I think they'll I think Norwich and Sheffield United will um, cause the teams that are maybe slightly ahead of them in in the the sort of natural pecking order at the moment major problems and that will give them an opportunity to stay in the division Um, I love the I actually loved the sort of naivety that Norwich showed on Friday night because I just thought it—it it was what they actually did was brilliant. They actually discomforted Liverpool, even with Allison on the pitch and Van Dijk on the pitch. They—they they, they cut through them. Um, and against, you know, the lesser lights in the Premier League, the, the teams that they're going to be competing against to stay in the division, you know, they'll win games that way. Slightly more worryingly, that they will also. Conceded a lot of goals in those games because their defense didn't look as it, it looked. It looked young and naive. It's got a lot of promise, but but the there Premier was League I ruthless. thought there was significant improvement in the second
0: half. You could see them. They were conscious and of the mistakes. that can Liverpool they
2: made. were four 0 up? Yeah, I mean, how can you judge it? I mean, yeah, Liverpool were four 0 up at but the there half was time. basic, game that, was yeah,
0: basic. Yeah, there were positional errors and yeah, that th- th- they and actually they were, rectified. I'd like to time. think
2: that you know, <laughs> with each. With each experience that they gain, they, they are learning and, and, and getting better and getting more solid. Um, Sheffield United, for a long period of that game, you, you wonder whether Profligacy Legacy was going to cost them as well. Because um, mm-hmm. they were the better team at Bournemouth. Even when Bournemouth were won their up, they just looked the more organised and more threatening side. And they didn't take the chances until you know Fox in the Box pops up two minutes from time. So that's a, that's a, a great point. Every point away from home should be cherished in, in for any team really in, in in the outside the elite um i don't th- actually think the villa will have any too many problems I, 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 I it's difficult to judge them from a game at an elite club on the opening opening day but i thought initially they created some really good opportunities took one of them and then defended pretty stoutly i thought ming's is the leader that we all, we've been led to believe he is um he he looks the type of player that can hold a defence together and justify the fee that took him there. Um, the hope is that he remains fit and and continues to lead them. But they've got some McGinn's, fantastic quality in there. Um, the striker is going to have to learn to adapt. That maybe looks slightly lightweight, possibly. Wesley. Yeah, Wesley. But but you know they will cause teams problems. Um, and they've they've invested brilliantly with Tom Heaton. I mean, that's just a brilliant signing.
0: Mm. So if they're okay, so a few other teams might be in trouble then. (laughs) Yeah, a few others might be. Um,
1: Brighton looked good, I have to say. Brighton looked very good uh, going forward. They looked enterprising. As I say, Andoni came off the bench and scored with his first touch. Uh, Neil Morpe I think it's 22 goals for Brentford yeah. last season uh, hit the target straight away great composure in front of goal so you're looking sort of at the, uh, sort of the mid-ranking teams as to who might have a problem I'm still not convinced about Newcastle you know mm. I have to say I, I, I look up front I can't do that Joe Linton gag again
0: because <laughs> yeah, <tired>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have already done Norwich will definitely get at them won't they Norwich will get at them yes they will
1: because of the way Listen, I think at home, Norwich will be particularly strong. They haven't spent a lot of money. I still do think that when you get to the top division, you've got to invest in some quality. Uh, Aston have been proven not to have unbalanced their side by bringing in as many players as they did because, remember, they let five or six go anyway, so it's not that many. Uh, and with the way they set up, you could see John Terry's influence in their defence on Saturday in terms of the... The solidity, the organisation, and and it took some real touches of class to get past them in the end. Sheffield United, I I thought coming up into the Premier League, three four one two. I know. Our colleagues at the BBC had it as three four three five two, but the, he played a three four one two for much of the championship season, and they had one of the best defences in the second tier. Uh, and yet he thought, well, could you do that in the Premier League? But they looked okay on Saturday. They Looked a mm-hmm. better side at Bournemouth. Uh, Eddie, uh, is it McGoldrick? Uh, mm-hmm. Had a couple of yeah. good. Sorry, McGoldrick had a few uh, good chances, and Sharp, of course, w- w- with that wonderful goal. And I think the confidence that that will give them will stand them in good stead in the Premier League, Bramulain obviously would be a difficult place to go to. It's quite hard at this stage to kind of look at any other sides and think they could be in trouble. Palace maybe if they lose Zaha mid-season. You worry, I'm surprised they didn't. They tried to sign uh, Fedor Chalov, the CSK Moscow striker, and the money was too much. I think it went over £20 million and they decided they didn't want to do the deal, which surprised me because they need goals. They
2: absolutely. I need think, they were, I think they were willing to, to pay that price. I just think that time caught up with them at the end of the window and they couldn't get it done. I think yeah. there's a very good chance well, Why do that you they leave it there
1: in. late though, Tom?
2: Well, that's a, a fine question and may have to do with funds and convincing absentee owners that they should invest uh, There are issues at Palace in terms of, of the ownership structure there. I think they had a, a very iffy transfer window um to be honest
0: yeah we've avoided it too long var <laughs> we, you know we've only got a couple of minutes left um you know people it seems you look at the wolves situation that uh, lester people don't really understand what's going on with handball might help if one or two read the rules or the laws um what do you make of var on, on the evidence of the opening weekend Listen,
1: I've never been a fan of technology because I just think you're falling in love Try with, with the Try WhatsApp and you're useless. <laughs> you? yeah, absolutely, 100%. percent will take you about three days to respond. Um, Darren's still typing. <laughs> <Yeah>, that's right. <laughs> still um, I think as far as... Uh, the, the, we've brought it in, and I think a lot of managers throughout the season kept saying referees need help. As a euphemism because they actually wanted to criticise those referees and knew that they would get into trouble if they did that, so they just kept saying referees need help. That help has come, and we're still arguing. We're still saying, oh, no, we don't want to accept what the technology is telling us. As I said before, I was at City. The goal that was allowed to stand, I didn't think should have stood. The goal that didn't stand, I thought, was fine. You know, an arm was offside. Do me a favour. You know, the goal that was that was allowed to stand, the ball comes into the box and there appeared to be two players offside. So, personally, I'd rather do without it. But now that it's here, we're all... There are teething problems, but fair play to the Premier League yesterday in the Leicester Wolves game when people were querying the handball. They put a tweet out and they, they reacted quickly, which they hadn't done the previous day about the West Ham keeper coming off his line for the Sudo Aguero retaken penalty. But they learned from that. And on Sunday, they said, look, all handball goals will be ruled out, whether they're accidental or not. And I can see that point. But VAR,
2: not for me. Yeah, don't I don't actually have a problem with it at all. I thought it did pretty well this weekend. You could argue that the communication was an issue within the stadium, but that was a that was a problem last season. Um you're right in your in the intro people need to know what the changed laws of the game are. That would have explained everything about the the Bowley situation at at, uh, at Leicester and likewise the penalty situation at uh, at West Ham on, on Saturday. I think there's a problem, underlining problem with the offside law, but that's not VAR's fault. Um, I would prefer it if it, you know, the whole daylight thing was reintroduced, and that's that would avoid, you know, your, your armpits being offside, etc., etc. But, but as it stood, I thought that VAR did everything right. Communication in the stadium is an issue sometimes. If you've got big screens, you have to appreciate that some parts of the ground can't see the big screens. I think of their part you, you Two-thirds of that ground can't really see the big screen. But Martin Samuel in the, in the mail and,
1: and, and Crossing the Mirror and Matt Side in the Times all made the point, the spontaneity, football at yeah. the end of the day absolutely. is about
2: scoring. Yeah, you're right, the absolutely. The euphoria that comes with yeah. it, yeah. that's lost forever. I, I agree, and, and that, that is that is a something that we're going to have to... to to learn to deal with unfortunately but but as far as var is concerned with how it's been implemented i think it's done okay
0: well var is changing the nature of the game it's a joyless bloodless distraction it feels wrong even if it gets the most marginal decisions right thanks for joining us here on the football writers podcast